Well, thank you. Well, we're doing this morning, we're looking at the Holy Spirit, and uh, it's uh, the rhythm of power. And uh, if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to, probably on the screen as well, to John chapter 16, <clears throat> and Jesus has been teaching, and, uh, and Jesus says the remarkable thing, it's for your good, he says to the disciples, it's for your good that I am going away. It is for your advantage that I'm going away. So we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Now, I appreciate for the Holy Spirit, for some, uh, it's okay. But for many of you, well, it's probably not your thing or he's not your thing. I could do a talk on nuclear physics. That would even more, that would baffle you even more. But actually, you've come this morning and actually, life is hard. No, it is hard. We, we're not unaware of that. Um, maybe with your family, with the children growing up, they don't always grow the way you want them to. And, um, or it may be finances. The cost of living issue is a real issue. Or it may be your health. And it may be, you know, you're getting older. Some of you are, I can see, you know. But some of us have not. But seriously, you know, life is hard. And Jesus, the first verse in this 16th chapter, he's aware that following him is not, not easy. He said, I've spoken all these things to you, verse 1, that you don't fall away. It's not easy following Jesus. Let's be real. It's a battle. We've talked in the spring about the battle. But Jesus says to these disciples, and it's a bombshell. He's been talking about the Holy Spirit, saying he's a person. But he says, actually, it's for your good. It's to your advantage. This is the gospel, he says to these lads. I'm leaving you. Well, they can't believe it. Let's have a vote on it. No, no, you can't be serious. No, he said, unless I go away, the Holy Spirit will, will not come. Look, it's to your good. It's better for you. And you have to see that. It's better for us. In High Wycombe, this verse applies to us. But they said, look, we've had the best three years of our lives. To be with you, what we've learned and what we've heard and what we've been able to do and to be with you has just been, well, words find it difficult to express it. You know, it's, and you're our leader. You're leaving us. As someone said, there's nothing great about losing someone you love. I remember a man said that about he's losing his dad. And they're losing this man. They've pinned their lives on this man. Jesus said, it is for your good. It's to your advantage. It's better for you. And that's true in High Wycombe on this June morning. I'll try and persuade you. He said, because uh, I tell you the truth. Unless I go, the counselor, the Holy Spirit, will not come. He will not come. Now, who is this person I'm going to send? This person, you need help, he says. You're going to get better than help. You're going to get a helper, which is far better, right? And the person who's going to come is going to live with you and in you, right? And he is fully God. He's divine. He's God. And he's going to come. And he'll be with you forever. I, physically, I'm going to just move out the scene. You won't see me. I'll be around, but you won't see me. But he's going to come. And he will live in you. 
And um, he's, he's, God, he's God. And, um, you know, he, well, how, can, how can God live in us? Let's be real. I mean, the God who made 126 billion galaxies, not even stars, to live in us. I mean, we'd explode, implode, whatever you do. And Jesus says, look, the Father will send another counselor. The word alos, another means one of the same kind. You like being with me, he says. Well, he's just like me. We're together, we're one. We're one. He's just like me. And he will never leave you. Some of you have sought help from a counselor. And some of you, some of you have sought help from a counselor. And some of you in this room, you've been counseling. It's a great thing. Some of you have even paid for, for a counselor. And it's been a great help. Or perhaps in the church, they've counseled you free of charge, as it were. You think, God, I wish they could go with me into work and all the rest. I wish they could just come with me. Jesus said, this counselor, he will never leave you. Never. There will no, no way you go when he will not come with you. It's better for you to go away. See, what does he do? Well, we've looked at this. I remember Neil mentioned this a few months ago. The first thing he does, the spirit, is he brings us to life. We're dead spiritually. You remember that guy, Nicodemus? He was the teacher in Israel. He was the Regis Professor of Theology in Jerusalem. If you had a theological, biblical book, you went to him. He was a good man, a really good man, a moral man, a good man, spiritual man as far as it went. And he said, Rabbi, no one could do the miracle. God is with you. No one could do the things you're doing unless God was with him. God, that's good, you know. He knows that God is with him. He's a miracle worker. You would have thought Jesus said, Sir, you are halfway there. Jesus says, you, you haven't even started. That counts for nothing. You have to be born again. Flesh gives birth to flesh. Your parents gave birth to you. To be, you can't, don't be surprised, Jesus, when I say to you, you have to be born from above. Because you can't see the things of the kingdom of God unless you are born from above. It's impossible. You may have been the most intelligent person there is, but you have to be born from above, a miracle has happened. And that's how it starts. We, we, we are born from above. That's what the first thing that happens. We, we are born again. And we, I was reading last night, late last night. It was warm, wasn't it, last night? And in bed, trying to get to sleep. I read this, and this, this man, a Welshman, Ivor, and his family, they weren't Christians at that time, but he wanted to be a Christian. And Obviously, some of his friends were, were being influenced and becoming Christians. And he said to God, if you are real, make yourself real to me. And he said, not long after that, he's riding his bike. And he's singing, he's a chapel, he went to the chapel, you know. And he was singing these songs. He remember, you know, you learn at church. And he was singing, here is love, you know, Vast as the ocean. Sing it in Welsh. My Welsh is very poor. Non-existent, in fact, really. But he's singing this. And he's singing this. And he's singing other hymns. And suddenly, he realizes, as he pedals along, 
that this Jesus died for him, died for me. He rose for me. He realized he's alive and he commits himself. And that's how it happens for him. He goes home and tells his family that he's been saved. He's alive. And that would be true of many of most, I guess, in this room. The first thing the Spirit does, he baptizes you into the body of Christ. He, bring, he makes you to life. He brings you alive. And, um, but then, then um, Paul says to, to all the Christians, and especially in Ephesus, he said, look, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but rather be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. What he means is be controlled by the Spirit. Let the, the Spirit control all you do and think. See, alcohol, <laughs> it's, it's a depressant. It's, pharmacologically, it's a depressant. It suppresses the major sensory brain. And alcohol affects how you, what you see, doesn't it? Not that I would know these things. It affects how you talk, and it affects how you walk. Well, the Spirit is the same. He comes, and he stimulates us. He stirs our mind. Remember, my great mentor worked in the mill, a cotton mill. He's filled with the Spirit. He's born again, and he becomes a very clever man, gets a degree in all this. The Spirit brings your mind alive. Some of you young people, let the Spirit fill you. You have no idea where you can go, my friends. He stirs our hearts and our emotions and our, stirs our will. But you have to be controlled by him. You have to give him control of your life. You know, you imagine, here's a young man. Let's assume he's living with us and he's engaged to this lovely young lady. All he can think about is this young lady. When am I going to see her? I think I'll ring her. You know, I, well, it's not long before. He's controlled. By this young lady, his life, quite rightly, if he knew the young lady. She's a relative of mine. But, uh, but like some of you are controlled by football. Aren't you glad the season ended? <laughs> Three hallelujahs, all these ladies are all shouting. <laughs> and we've had some miserable, Neil will tell you, we've had some miserable f f Saturday five o'clock, haven't we, recently? It's terrible, yeah. But we control by, you know, how they win and how are they going to sell somebody, buy somebody? It's the man, you know, we control by it. It's miserable to take, yeah, his team lost. Well, some of you control by work. You, that's what you think. You know, I mean, that's what the psalmist says. I wish that the Sabbath would end so I could get to my, to my work. You control by it. Even in, you're just thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow. It controls you. Paul, Paul says, be controlled. By the Holy Spirit. Let him control you. Well, how does he do that? Well, the first thing is, you have to believe what Jesus said. He is in you. You've got to believe that. I don't feel it. I'm telling you, if you're a believer, he is in you. Right? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I don't care what you feel. If you're a true believer, he is in you. Right? And he's in, he's in charge. Where the Spirit is, is Lord, there is freedom. So you do what he says. Imagine you had a small shop or store in Wickham and you're doing really well. And, uh, and a bigger company thought, this person's doing really well. And so they said, can we take over? Can we buy you out? You will, all right. You can stay and work in the store, shop, but we'll take over. We'll put a manager in and we'll give you our expertise. So you're now in the shop, but somebody else runs it. 
and you have to listen to them and take heed of their expertise. In the same, when you become a Christian, you have to listen to the Holy Spirit. You have to listen to him. He speaks to you. Now, again, that's another session we talk about listening to the Spirit because he, he always takes us back to the Word. He takes us back to the Scriptures and shows us. Sometimes I go even to London to the, the National Gallery and it's wonderful, really. It's free, it's free, and it's free. It's great. It's wonderful. And you often see a school party. They are stand, sitting all around a, one of these great masterpieces and then this guy, this person, this woman is showing them what the artist meant and do you see this? Do you see that? Oh yeah, yeah, you see? And she brings it to life and that's what the spirit does. It, it, it makes the spirit live, doesn't it? It makes the word live to us and, and uh, he often does it through people as well, I know that, but he makes it live and uh, and, and, and the we see we are we fail in life because we do not believe what the Bible says about us. That's the basic reason why you fail. I mean, one of the greatest verses in my in the in my Bible anyway is when at the end of Jesus' great prayer in John seventeen, and Jesus prays John seventeen twenty three. He prays that Father, you've you, he says that they might know that you have loved them, even as you have loved me. If you have a spare afternoon, just meditate on those two words, even as. It's just amazing. But the Spirit comes and He, make, he makes Scripture live. It comes to life and we believe it. And um, we do what He says. That's what we have to do. Is the problem is we have a habit of doing our own thing, don't we? Have any of you got a sat nav in the car? You know, men are terrible. The woman says, in in 0.5 mile, turn left. And we all think, I'm not going down that road, sunshine. Because I live around here. Why is she taking me down there? I'm not doing, at the third, as soon as possible, she says, turn around. I'm not doing that, sunshine, either. We We get used to disobeying people. Well, one thing you have to learn, when you become a Christian, you have to learn to follow, to listen to the Holy Spirit. You have to learn to Him. And now, it's it's a learned thing. You have to have other people to help you to discern His voice and how He speaks. And, uh, but we have to do that. The problem is, is that He hates disobedience and, and He hates sin. And so Paul says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And we do, we, 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 we fail in life because we, we're disobedient. And he says, do this. No, I'm not doing that. It's too painful. I, I finished this book I was reading last night. It's about the Revival in the Congo in 1953. It's an amazing movie. Somebody I knew was there. And, but one of the strange things about it, and the missionaries didn't understand it, in certain of the stations, people just went, well, they, they couldn't move a limb, an arm. They just could not move. They were trying to find some biblical backing for this. They couldn't understand why in the middle of this, they were suddenly paralyzed. paralyzed. Of course, what happened was, as soon as they repented, they were freed. It's a fact. You know, they said, well, I've, you know, I've 
committed adultery or I've stolen something. It's as quick as that. It's case after case, right through, right through the, this part of the Congo. It was reported. Now, I use that as an illustration because many of you were filled with the Spirit some, a while ago. Many of you have known the life of the Spirit, but you're not where you should be because he said something to you and you've, you've done something that has grieved him because he is the Holy Spirit. I mean, the first thing Paul mentions in this reading is bitterness. How easily we get bitter. People say something against us. People offend us. You know, people are horrible to us, and we I never forget them. And we're bitter. You're right, of course, but you've grieved the Spirit. He, put, he, he withdraws, as it were. Or it may be other things. You, you know, you've, you've done something which you're wrong. You've been dishonest at work. Or you've lost your cool at work, or I don't know. He, he mentioned other things. I'm, I'm not going to forgive so and so for what they did to my child. You know, well, maybe you've just been obsessed by work. You're going to work and you're going to make a fortune while I'm, and, you know, and you, you've gone for it. And he just slowly withdraws himself. You were once a, you know, a powerhouse in this church or in the churches you, you, you used to be in. But you know you're not the person you were, you run well. What hindered you? And um, there's something wrong. I mean, the, one of the saddest man guys in the Bible is Samson. And his demise at the end, it says he did not know that the Lord had left him. Oh, he's still got the muscles and he's all, but he didn't. In many ways, he was the weakest man in the Bible, Samson, because he couldn't do it without the Holy Spirit, could he? He wasn't the strongest man at all. But he had to learn in a very painful way. So we have to deal with these sins in our life. You know, we have to deal with them. But Jesus, says, what I want to say this morning is, is it is better for me to go away. Right? Because unless I go away, the Spirit will not come. Now, let me just build my case for a start. These people, these disciples are believers, right? This is, let me build my case. They have left all and followed Jesus. They believe that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, right? Jesus says, rejoice that your names are written in the book of life, right? He says, to the fact, they have kept your word. They know that you sent me. You know, it gives all these reasons. They, they are believers, right? He says, that you are really clean, he says, through the word I've spoken to you. Oh, they're, they're, have you got that? They're believers, and you're a believer. But there's something more, my friends. There's more. There's more. I mean, I remember years ago, when all this was happening, 40, 50 years, just really when new, this church was coming together, and we were debating this all over Britain. And quite rightly, people say, well, you get it all, you get it all, get it all when you become a Christian. You get it all. You get Christ, you get everything. True, but not true. Not true. I know propositionally and positionally you get it all. But then one of my great mentors, Martin Lloyd-Jones at West Virginia Chapel said, so he says, got it all? Well, if you've got it all, I simply ask you in the name of God, why are you as you are? 
if you've got it all, why are you so unlike the New Testament Christians? Got it all, got it all at your conversion. Well, where is it? I ask you. Well, I remember reading that. Got it? And it's right. You do get... You get... You get everything at Christ in, in, in conversion in one sense, propositionally and positionally, but experientially. Jesus, I have more for you. Just wait, wait. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you will receive, which, which you heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days' time, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, let me say, every Christian has the Holy Spirit, right? No man can say, Jesus, Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. But there is more, right? Jesus got more for you. And this is what this morning's, or it should be all about, and of course, you remember the story, if we time to read it in Acts chapter 1 and 2, the disciples, they're, they're sitting there waiting, and there was a sound like rushing wind, right? And, uh, and they saw what seems to be like tongues of fire separating and coming to uh, rest on the head of each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Right? Now, one of the first thing is this. this is, because this is to do with you. This is for you. Not just, it's for you is this. This is a direct work of the Holy Spirit on your spirit. Right? That's the first thing. Right? That's what it's about. Right? <laughs> Because then when Peter preaches, and I'm sure he preached before, there's, there's 3,000 people make a response. I don't know how many people are there, thousands, but 3,000. He said, you have crucified and killed the Lord of glory. This is your guilt. You're guilty of this. Do you realize what you've done? That God comes on earth and you killed him. And they said, what shall we do? What shall we do? Quite rightly, they were convicted. Because there's a nation had risen up and shouted for his death. He says, repent and believe each one of you in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to the same. It was a direct act of the Spirit on their spirit. This is going to happen to you. That's why you need to know this. This is, how, this is for you. It was done to the disciples. It wasn't something they had worked up and thought about and did. It was, it's a baptism, a filling, an anointing, a sealing, whatever you want to use. They were plunged, depth, experienced the Spirit, right? Paul says, you know, Paul says, hope does not disappoint. For the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The word that's used, pour out, is the word like a torrent. God's love has been poured into our hearts. Like a river. It's, you, there is something you experience, my friends. It affects your heart. It affects your feelings. It affects your emotions. It's not just, well, I, I, think, I think about it. I think I've got it. No, no. 
you will know. Now, as you will see, there's a various intensity. I grant you that. Some people have a massive baptism from the Spirit. Some people, it's a gentle, more softer experience. But you know. I mean, it was done to disciples. I mean, here's Paul himself. Here's Paul. Saul, as he was. He's going up the Damascus Road. He's going to get rid of these Christians, these Nazarenes. And sure enough, Christ appears to him. The risen Christ in all his glory. Paul is blinded by the glory of God in Christ. He's a believer now, isn't he? He believes all he's been ranting against. He's a believer. And then he's led away to the city of Damascus. And then a man comes, called Ananias comes. Paul is a believer by this stage. You'll grant me that, will you? Oh, he's a believer. But, but Ananias lays his hands upon him. And he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales spread from his eyes and he could see. Oh, he's filled with the Spirit. It's, it's the same when Peter and John go to Samaria. These young Samaritans were Christians. They'd become Christians. They'd been baptized in the name of Jesus. They were born again. But Peter and John laid hands upon them and they received the Spirit. Now, the Spirit had brought them to life, but they received the power of the Spirit. Same thing happens in Ephesus. They had repented, they had been baptized, they believed in Jesus. And then Paul goes, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you, when you believed? <laughs> no, one has, uh, no one has even told us about the Holy Spirit. And uh, Paul laid his hands on them. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. All I'm saying, these people were believers, but something more came. Whatever phrase, I'll use Jesus, friend, you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It is more than regeneration. You should get it all at conversion. You should believe, believe in Jesus. You should be baptized, right? You should be baptized in water and be, then be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You should get it all at once, but they, they don't all come at once. They're separated, and many of us would testify. There's a gap. We need to, and that's, this is, it's all good news, my friend. Don't look down. It's not that bad. And um, you see, it's, it's clear and unmistakable. It's experience. You know that you are loved, that you know that God is real. It's like the prodigal son, you know, he comes home from the foreign land, he's smelling of pigs, he's spent millions on prostitutes, parties and the rest of it. He's brought shame to the village, shame to his family. He thinks, I wonder if dad loves me. He says, he's walking, he sees this old man galloping towards him, running, and he puts his arm around him and he kisses him. This isn't just a middle class peck. He just, boom, a real plonker. He lo- Does my father love me? The father wants him to know one thing. I love you. And that's what the spirit himself does. He does. It's an experience. That's what I'm saying. It's clear and unmistakable. You know. You see, 
Paul tries to illustrate this, this baptism in the Spirit. He says in Ephesians, having believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. Now, why does Paul use this word seal? Well, it's a good illustration. Uh, a seal. Well, you go, you're doing a, an agreement. You go to a lawyer, or it may be a, between nations, maybe between companies. And you're doing a deal, and so you have a lawyer, one of these guys, and uh, you know, have all your documents, and, and you, he puts the seal on it at the bottom and stamps it, and you sign it. It's signed and sealed. The deal is done. It's authentic. It's real. It's genuine. The deal is done. And when the Spirit comes, you know, I've received the real thing. You know, God is real. You know, I know. I've experienced him. He's put his seal of his Spirit upon me. But it's more than that. It's a seal of ownership. I belong. When I used to work in the farming community, well, you know that Sheep have a, a, a mark on their wool, which is pretty soon lost. So what we do now, and what all, every it's legal requirements in Britain now, you have to put a seal on on, on every all the cattle. So what you do, you don't like brand it in like the good old Americans, no, or freeze dry it. You just very civilly, civilly put an ear tag in, and every ear tag in has got to have the herd number in. I've done thousands. That animal belongs to that farm. When the Spirit of God comes, you know you're part of the family of God. You're adopted. You're in. You're sealed. That's what it's about. <laughs> you did not receive a spirit again to fear, says Paul. But you received the spirit of sonship. Whereby you cry, Abba, I know I'm loved. I'm in. You see, previously I felt my spirit was a, I, I believed I was a Christian. But then the Holy Spirit bear witness with my spirit that I am a child of God. I can't cry, Abba, Father, it's real. It's not just for him or her, it's for me. I belong to God, I belong for all eternity. But then it's the fun, first thing about a seal. It's a sign, it's a sign of 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 security. In the olden days, this is olden days, I must be ancient. We used, to, we used to tie parcels that we string and then we put ceiling wax on, right? Drip the ceiling wax, it's great fun. And if you're a really posh firm and you send your thing away, you put a big blob of ceiling wax and you put the firm stamp on it. You seal it. <laughs> and you knew that if any damage was come to that, it had been tampered with. But God has put his seal on you. You are secure. Nobody's going to tamper with you. He's put his seal on you. This is a mark. I'll look after you as long as, life, as, long as life, you exist. You're secure. They put a seal on the tomb of Jesus, didn't they? Nobody's going to tamper with this. Unfortunately, Jesus has a habit of getting out of tombs. And, um, and it happened. And, and, and we were sealed. And... Um, it's not the same as regeneration. It should happen at the same time, but it doesn't. But we have to know this sealing, this anointing, this baptism, right? I mean, the thing that struck me years ago, I read 1 Peter, and Peter says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. 
I thought, I, haven't, I don't know what he's talking about. I want that. I want the real thing. I've tired. I've been brought in. I've been a second-hander. The one, these people at the front have got it, but I haven't got it. You don't want to be a second-hander all your life. And the Spirit comes. Jesus baptizes you so you might know that you're the, it's the real deal. You belong to him. It's, like, it's, gonna, it's not going to go away. Now, having said that, you can lose the memory of the blessing. You can't earn it, but you can lose the memory of it and the power of it. Therefore, you need to be filled again. But what is it for? What is it for quickly, you see? Because what I'm saying, it can be repeated, right? Um, it's not primarily this anointing to do with character. It can't be earned, but it can be lost. But it does make you active. It makes you, it makes you radiant. It makes you able to go, go for God. I remember somebody saying... You know, I've been down the Nile. It's a wonderful river, this huge river, muddy river. It runs from south to north. And all the farmers for centuries have fed their flocks and watered their land with this, this river. Wonderful. But then, for 10 years, from 1960 to about 70, 1970, through help with the Russian money, they built the high Aswan Dam, Aswan High Dam. Magnificent. I've been there. You've got the Abu Simbel statues there. But the great thing about it is you've got these 12 turbines that go all day long, 120,000 horsepower, 10 billion kilowatt hours every year, belting out. The great thing is this. Every light in Egypt can be lit now. It's not for just a little farm of the Nile to look look after yourself. It's the, the whole energy purposes of Egypt can be met almost, I think, through this dam. My friends, the baptism of the Spirit is not that you and I have a charismatic hoedown. The point is this, that we go to the ends of the earth. That's the point. We have a light, not just for Buckinghamshire, not just for Wickham, not just for England, but for the ends of the earth. This is light for the world. I'm not just talking about little experience, but it's nice. I love being part of the fellowship. Oh, wonderful. No, no. We're here to get blessed out of our socks. That we might go to the ends of the earth. Wouldn't it be wonderful if some of you young men, young women, older, gave up your career, some of us did, to take this message to the places which are the hardest of all. Amen. Right? I mean, we've been blessed with Wick and with so many people who've come to bless us. But the point about this is this, this baptism of the Spirit is to make us witnesses. Not just to Jerusalem or Judea or Samaria, but to the ends of the earth. Right? Still with me, still with me. Nearly there, don't lose heart. Well then, should we, should we seek after this blessing? Are we, are we just scrambling after experiences, going from meeting to meeting, look for experiences? Well, the point is this. Tell me if I'm wrong. The point of this life is to know God. That we might know him. Moses said many years ago, if, I, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways that I might know you. Show me your glory. 
That's what we're after. If you haven't got it in your heart, I wonder if you're born again, if you don't that longing to know something, the ineffable glory of God. <laughs> and that's what it's about. So Jesus says, look, just ask. Well, you say, I've asked and nothing's happened. Jesus says, look, there's a progression in this Sermon on the Mount. He says, ask and you will receive. Okay, seek, it goes on. Seek and you will find. It goes on, more. Knock, knock, knock. And you will be opened onto you. What he's teaching, my friends, is there a progression? You see, we live in a quick fix society. Penny in the slot, didn't get it. Try the Baptist, then, you know, you know, we didn't get it. No, no, you hung. We can tell you, some of us hungered for months, years for this. Longing, because only God can do it. You can't work it up in one sense. Well, in certain, no sense. You have to, he's, he gifts it. He, he's the baptizer. You've you got to go to him. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. The word in Hebrew means exchange their strength. His strength for yours. That's why Peter says in 1, 2 Peter, look, while you're waiting, make every effort to, to add to your faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. He says, if you possess these qualities and increasing qualities in increasing quantities, you will, it will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. We don't want to live our life in ineffective and unproductive. So we, we're not just a one-track people. We, we, we many things on our agenda. But this is what we're after. We want the, the, what God has for us. Okay, well, final question. Is this for me? Is this for me? I think, I remember years, 40, 50 years ago, when I was long years, I have to know it's in the Bible. I don't just, I don't, I'm not on some Pentecostal trip or even charismatic. I want to know, is this the word of God? Is this what God promises? Because if he promises, he'll do it. <laughs> so, 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 well, we pray for it. We pray for it. We ask, we seek, we knock. We sue him for it. We give ourselves, we give, give Jerusalem no rest until he establishes it. Jacob didn't give any rest. I, I know. But perhaps it was just a booster rocket. That first, is, you know, just to get the church going. No, no. Peter says, Peter says, no. He says, repent and believe. Prevent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Spirit. The promise is for you, he says. Ah, it's just for that crowd, the big crowd. No, and for your children, another generation. But it's better than that. It's better than that for all who are afar off. I think High Wycombe's afar enough off from Jerusalem, right? It's for you, my friends. It's for all. Not just the Jews, not just the Jews' children. No. It's for all whom the Lord our God shall call. We have only one life, my friends. Make sure you're filled with the Spirit, right? 
You see, if we are to reach the world, we need to be lit up, my friends. We need to be on fire. In your own way, of course, in a nice way, of course. But we need to be, have something that people, New Testament evangelism comes from people asking life, asking questions about your lifestyle. We need it, my friends. We have to go for it. No matter matter what people say, John will baptize you with water. But Jesus, the Son of God, says, I will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I will dunk you. I will drench you. I'll overcome you. So you'll be so full of God that you overflow. (laughs) That's why God gives you a mouth. In your bath, you know, in the bath, you have an overflow. God gives you a mouth to overflow. (laughs) Same principle. So you, my heart is... You can't understand Charles Wesley's hymns until you understand the baptism spirit. My heart is full of Christ and longs its glorious message to declare. Get full, my friends. Just join me. I've, I've, just join me as I pray every morning as I go through the woods. I pray. <sighs> Jesus says, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. That's where we start. But then Jesus says, you may ask for anything in my name and I will do it for you. Go with, with Jesus into the woods or wherever you go on your knees and said every morning, said, you promised. You said if we ask for anything for your glory, you would give it to us. Every, I'm going to keep asking as long because I want to be filled again. I thank God for 1969 and all I could tell you the dates when I've known these things, but you know, we need new manna, not old manna, right? We need new food, new blessing. Are you with me in it? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for such a, (laughs) that you would, in your amazing grace, offer to fill people like us with yourself to overflowing. And Lord, we're, we say we're hungry people, we're thirsty people. And Lord, you said if you would fill us with your spirit, you will seek for me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. Lord, change our hearts that we would hunger and thirst after you, Lord, that you would fill us. Put that resolve in our heart. We ask it for Jesus' sake and for his glory and the salvation of a lost world. Amen.